Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Speaking of testimonies, I wanted to share this. Um, so when I preached last, it was about four, four or five weeks ago, I told a story about a, a lady who I ran into on the street who had, um, he, she had stage four terminal cancer and told me she was in her second year. Um, she, had, she was in her second year of a, of a two-year like she was told, I've got, you've got two years to live, and she was in her second year. Um, and so, so I, I asked if I could pray for her, and um, so I did that. Nothing happened, and, and I said to her, hey, I go to Thrive Church. My name's Mitch. Like, if, if something happens, even if, it's just, even if it's just a tiny bit, just something small, like, come and tell me, because I, I want to hear. Like, even if you just get a report that says, hey, like the cancer's slowed down or I've got a little bit of extra time. And so I, I kind of just left it at that and I was like, well, that was a good preaching story that helped with my message. You know, that, that was helpful, God. And, and about two weeks ago, um, she showed up. I was out having coffee, pr- surprise, surprise, on a Tuesday. And um, she ran into Kerry and she, they had a conversation. She, she said, look, I, I came to find Mitch. Well, actually, she called me Matt, but that's okay. It's beside the point. Um, she, she was like, I came to look for Mitch. Um, I, I went and had a test, and the results came back, and the cancer has slowed down. It was the first time that it has slowed down. And so would you stand with me? I just want to pray for her. I, I, I've got faith that God would heal her completely. And so, um, yeah, her name's Barbara. Um, and so let's just pray. Let's, she work, used to work at uh, an op shop down that way. So let's just stick a hand out in that direction. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for what you've begun to do in Barbara. And God, we thank you that you would complete that work in Jesus' name. God, we speak to that cancer today and we command it to shrivel up and die that she would be healed in Jesus' name. We declare the name of Jesus over her body today. We declare the name of Jesus over her body right now. Would you heal her in Jesus' name? name and everybody said amen amen I just I think this is going to be a cool story and I'm looking forward to the end when when you know a miracle happens and and she's completely healed I I just been I've been thinking so much about um the miraculous and just contending for like sick a sick free environment and so if you're contending for healing, I want to encourage you, don't stop coming up for prayer. Don't stop asking for prayer. It can, especially if you've been contending for it for a long time, it can be easy to say, ah, maybe God's just, maybe this is just the thorn in my side. I, I think the expectation we need to have is that all who came to Jesus were healed. And he's good even if it doesn't happen. I tell you what, he is so good even if the miracle doesn't happen. Um, and the, the ultimate miracle is that on, on the other side of heaven, you will have a restored body. But on this side, we're going to believe that you would be healed. All right. Um, how great was it having Pastor Ralph bring the word the last three weeks? I, I loved it. He, he preached uh, the power of salvation, the power of hope, the power of now. And if you missed any of those weeks, I encourage you, go have a listen to the, to the podcast. Check it out. Um, it was such a blessing having him and Anne-Marie with us the last few weeks. Um, they really just felt like like part of the family. It was so nice. Um, hey, buddy. I was thinking the other day, so Larissa and I, um, it's almost been two years or one year. Larissa, is it two years or one year that, since we've had, had a house? Almost two years. And... Um, 
and we're at the point now where we're kind of like, like what's the, what's the next thing? So we, we, we're in our first time. It's been a couple of years, and we're kind of like, oh, like, what's the next thing? Like, are we going to um, renovate this property? Are we going to, you know, what are we going to do? And I think most of us can kind of, like, relate that, you know, you've been in a season for a while, whether it's with a house, a car, whatever, and you go, man, I, like, I'm looking for the improvement in, in this. I'm looking to see where, where I could make this better. I'm looking to see, you know, could I make the house more livable, or, or can we go to you know, something new. Um, I'm quite visionary, well, both of us are, and so whenever we think of something new, we're like, let's go 18 steps ahead um, <laughs> and just skip most of it. But um, I think, like, you can, we can all kind of, uh, like, we all kind of know, like, how many times have you bought a new iPhone when you got a perfectly good one in your pocket? Um, I've never done that. I always buy, the, buy a new one because my old one's died. But, um, you know, like, we do that in our culture. We'll, we'll buy the latest thing, even though we've got a perfectly good thing at home. And I think we all kind of look for improvement. You know, whether it is a new house, a new car, a, a new phone, a new husband, a new watch, like, whatever it is that you're looking for, ladies. Like, I think... Well, we're happy with our wives. We love our wives. I'm the husband of one wife. You should be too. Um, I think we all look for an upgrade. And I want to talk to you about a kingdom upgrade that Jesus um, lays out for us. And, and it's in, um, check it out as it comes up on the screen. It's in John fifteen fifteen. He says this, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And so Jesus has made you his friend. You're a friend of God. But I think many of us live like servants. Many of us, we're like, it'd be too scary to be his friend. I just, I just want to... I just want to be the servant. We have the opportunity to be friends. It's not like, you know, you have to level up in Christianity. Like you've got to be a Christian for 10 years, be water baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. And you've got to raise the dead before you can be his friend. But so many of us just, we, we, we live like we're a servant. And I think this is best seen in a story in Luke chapter 10. If you'd turn with me, if you've got your Bible, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It's an incredible story about friendship versus slavehood. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen with me. It's only about five or six verses. It says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. 
but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. One translation puts it like this. Mary has chosen the better portion. My message today is called the better portion, and, and my prayer is that we would, we would leave today, we would leave church this morning, we would leave this service going, I want to live my life from the better portion. I want to live a life where Jesus is looking at me saying, my son, my daughter has chosen the better portion. And this is the difference between friendship with God and being a slave. See, in the story, we've got Mary and Martha. They're kind of like the two main characters. Jesus is there as well. He's quite important. Um, and, and Martha is like busy prepping because Jesus is in her house. And I, I'm like, man, there will be some people here today. And you're like, I know that feeling. Like, if, if, like when, when anybody comes to my house, I'm like pretty busy preparing. Like, but if Jesus came, I would be doing everything. I'd be like, man, we've got to make sure we've got the best communion. Uh, he's going to want that. Um, we'll get some like fish and stuff out. Like, I don't want to have a dirty house when Jesus shows up. What if he like, you know, tells me about how the kingdom is like my house? Or, you know, like he, he's going to like, you know, he's going to rebuke me somehow. Or, or maybe he's going to like not notice me or, or like, and she's doing all these preparations probably because she wants Jesus to notice what she's doing. And so she's doing her thing and she gets annoyed because her sister, man, like sisters can do this. Like her sister's just like mucking around doing nothing. Like she's doing all the work. She's doing everything. And, and, and her sister Mary is just sitting at Jesus's feet. You know, like she's done all the hard work and her little sister just gets to go around, you know, the world with her parents on, on the, her parents' dime. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Martha's doing all the preparations and, Jesus, and Mary's just sitting with Jesus. Mary's getting the attention. She's listening to him. And so Mary, Martha gets so frustrated that she comes to Jesus with her complaint. And I want to tell you that is a dangerous place to be. If you're coming, you know, if you've got a complaint, just be prepared. If you bring it to Jesus, it's the best thing you could do. But if you bring it to Jesus, he's probably not going to be on your side. <laughs> if you bring your complaint to Jesus, he's probably going to flip it around on you. Because here's the thing. Gossip is a sin. And God doesn't partake of sin. And so if you come to God complaining about your brother, he won't talk to you about their problems. But he'll happily talk to you about yours. He turns to her and he says, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. You got, you've got your problems, okay? I get it. You're upset about many things. But here's the problem. They don't matter. None of them are needed. Indeed, there's just one thing that matters. And you know how you've got issues with your sister Mary? Sorry to tell you, but she's doing the right thing. She's just out there. She's just talking to Jesus. I'll be talking to Jesus. You're going to sing that the rest of the... It'll be in your head just playing her over and over and over. For all of my life. She's just talking to Jesus. And, and I can imagine Martha's feeling pretty bummed by this. We, we don't see what her, her, her response is. Did she come and sit at the Lord's feet as well? We don't know. What's Mary doing in the story 
she's sitting with Jesus. She's being, she, 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 she's spending time with Jesus. She's, she's being with Jesus. So, so Martha is doing things for Jesus. Whereas Mary is just being with him. Martha's showing us, she's doing things for Jesus. She, she, she's showing us the rules. She's doing things. Mary, being with Jesus, she, she's focusing on relationship. Doing things for God is rules. Being with God is relationship. The better portion is to be with God. The better portion is to be with Jesus. This is why Jesus says to, to, the, to the people that come to him, he, he says, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, like we did all these things in your name. And he's like, but I never knew you. He, he prioritizes relationship over what you can do for him. Like he's not looking for it. See, any religion has rules. Our religion has a relationship. See, any religion like, is, is filled with the list of do's and do nots. Our religion has a relationship at its core. I actually like the word religion. I think we could be more religious in our faith. Not like the, in the way the Pharisees are, but we could probably have a little bit more rhythm in our Bible reading and stuff. We could be a little bit more religious. And so we could leave now. We could just stop here. We could stop the service. I could get the band up. And you would all go and you'll be like, okay, this is what I need to do. I'm, I'm never doing anything ever again. No more mowing the lawns. Our house is going to go just have crazy weeds. I'm not doing the dishes. I'm just going to sit in the Lord's feet like, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm basically just going to end up being a monk. And I'm going to just, you know, like dance around, wave my flag, my flags and, and my, put my arms in the air. And I'm just going to, I'm going to spend 24 hours a day just singing from the book of Psalms. Um, I'm going to really dig myself deep and, and just, I'm going to like, I'm going to commit to just reading Song of Solomon like over and over and over again until I have this intimate relationship with Jesus. And I think you would have missed the point. See, the problem with this story is we could take it and we could use it to build a, a formula, but it's not a formula. It's meant to show us how to do things. When we read it in isolation, we go, oh, I'm never doing anything for Jesus. And we, we use what's meant to show a principle to build a formula. You know, I'm just in a season of rest. It's been going on for six, eight months, five years, ten years. You know, I'm just in, I'm in a perpetual season of rest. I'm just, you know, like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't agree with what Pastor Ralph said last week. I'm the armchair of the Lord is good you know like he is ordering the steps and you know like he is ordering my you know my armchair it's coming from amazon it's it's on its way that was bad so yes we're meant to be with jesus but jesus probably isn't where you think he is the problem is jesus isn't always sitting with martha I love the Gospel of Luke. Um, I've been fascinated by it for the last wee while. Um, I think I preached from it last time I was preaching. And um, what I like about it, so Luke, if you're, if you're unaware, Luke writes the Gospel of Luke and then he writes Acts. It's, a two, it's two parts of the same story. Um, and so he's, he's trying to get a specific angle and point across. Um, and, and so Luke does, uh, I love the Gospel of Luke for a couple of reasons. One is there is new content. Like, I love new content. Uh, that's what's great about the Gospel of John as well. Is there's so much random stuff that's nowhere else. 
Um, but the story of Mary and Martha is only found in Luke. Without the Gospel of Luke, we wouldn't have that story. Um, what about this one? This is only found in the Gospel of Luke, the prodigal son. I reckon half the messages ever preached wouldn't have been preached if that story wasn't, if we didn't have that story. How, how sad would it be if we didn't know that the story that Jesus taught of the prodigal son? Um, it, it, it wouldn't, obviously it wouldn't change our faith, but man, it would be like, there's such a rich story about the kingdom and about God's love. And, and so there's all this fresh content. There's the Good Samaritans in here as well. Um, that's a pretty cool story. Um, the other thing I love is um, so many of the gospel writers are really um, focusing in on, um, on like chronolo- chronology. So like Jesus did this, and then he went and did this, and then he went and did this, and then he went and did this and later that day. After he'd finished, you know, like each kind of section that we, you know, maybe would preach from or would be a chapter or whatever, kind of it happens and then there's another chat portion. But what you see, Luke does a bit of that. But occasionally, he just will do a couple of chapters, and it's like, on one occasion, Jesus said. At another time, he did this. One day, Jesus, and he, he just puts these stories together, inspired by the Holy Spirit, because he's trying to show us who Jesus is. He's trying to, he's trying to give us an, an idea of who Jesus is. He's listening to um, you know, Paul and, um, and Peter and the disciples and the apostles teaching and talking about Jesus as he's writing this and he's reading the other gospels and he's going, oh, like, and there's this part, of, there's this story and it kind of fits in with this story and all inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and so one of the things that he does is he will put stories together that help create context because he's like, this story is important, but isolated, it, it might give you the wrong impression. And so do you know what story he decided to put, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he decided to put before Mary and Martha? He, so Mary and Martha is the story that, you know, if we just read it in isolation, looks like it's telling you don't do anything, just like, just hang out with Jesus, just like lay in the presence. He leads me beside still waters and restores my soul. He puts that directly after the Good Samaritan. A story that has nothing to do with praying, nothing to do with healing people. It's all about serving. It's all about this random person who is on the side of the road and they get taken to an inn and looked after. It's, it is like a, it's like the servants, like it's like the go-to thing. And I think if Martha had read it, she'd be like, I think I'm doing the right thing. I think I'm doing, I'm doing what Jesus has asked. And so we see this and, and, and he's putting these together because he's like, hey, the idea in the Mary and Martha story is that you want to be with Jesus, but Jesus isn't always where you think he is. Where is Jesus? Probably not where he was the last time you talked to him. It is all about relationship. And I want to look at three relationships in, that we have found in Scripture between people and God that I think will give us some keys to understanding this. Uh, I love the story of Abraham and Isaac. I, I think Isaac probably doesn't love this story. But Abraham has this promised, this promised son. And, you know, like, hallelujah, God delivered the promise, and we're, we're excited about it. And God says to him, hey, I want you to take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him. And I think I'd probably be questioning God, like, what are you up to, man? Like, this seems, this seems out of character. 
And, um, and, and so Abraham's like, well, okay, I don't really know what we're going to do, but we're going to follow God in this, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow God. And so the word of God to Abraham was go up the mountain and sacrifice your son. And then he gets up the mountain, and the word of God on the mountain is there's a ram in the thicket, sacrifice that instead. Yesterday's word in today's context could kill tomorrow's promise. Yesterday's word in today's context could kill tomorrow's promise. See, God will speak to you about something that he's like, "Uh, uh, this is for today. But if we're not relevant in our relationship with God, we'll just keep doing the same thing day and day. And we might miss because Jesus isn't there anymore. And so the first, my first point today is that we need to stay relevant. We actually need to have a relevant relationship with God because, yes, God will never violate this word, but the Rima word for you tomorrow might be different to what it is today. Jesus isn't doing the same thing in your life tomorrow as he is today. He's actually, he, he might be in a different location. And so what he told you to do yesterday, you know, if he told you to give away a house yesterday and, and you give away your house today, it actually might turn out really bad. You might not have anywhere to live because the word changed. And so we need to stay relevant in our relationship. And relevant, it doesn't mean, you know, you're wearing Jordans and like, you, you know, you've got a, a tattoos all over your arms and you're listening to rap music. But we need to stay relevant in our relationship with God. We can't live off yesterday's prophecies. We can't live off the encounter we had 15 years ago where, where the Lord showed up in a way and why does he not show up like that anymore? And I hate going to this church because they only sing modern music and God won't show up if there's modern music. Everything, I mean, everything's modern music in God's eyes. Um, so it was my birthday this week. It was Luke's birthday as well. Happy birthday to us. Um, and um, I took... No, I didn't take. Oakley took me to the movies um, for my birthday. So I picked him, we picked him up from nursery school, and he took me to the movies. It was the first time he'd ever been to a movie theater. And so we got popcorn, and, and I got a drink, and he, he got an ice cream, and he was blown away by the fact that the ice cream came in a plastic bag. Um, and so we, we went into the movies, and um, as we were walking in, I just started explaining to him some of the, some of the rules about being in a movie. And I said, well, first thing about it is, um, you know how if you need to go to the toilet during the movie um, at home, we can pause it and you can go do that? We, they don't have a remote here, um, and there's a bunch of other people watching, and so they would be angry if we stopped it every time. So do you need to go to the toilet before? And he was like, no, 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 I'm good. Uh, and so um, yeah, I explained that to him. And I went in and I said, hey, look, so what will happen is when the movie starts, it, it'll go dark. Um, and so if, you, if you're feeling worried or anything, come have a cuddle and... And so we talked about that. And the last thing I said is, I said, um, when we're, while we're in the movie, if you need to talk to me, I need you to whisper. I, and I need you to come in nice and close, whisper right in my ear. And um, because two reasons. One is it's going to be really loud. Like the movie's way louder than our TV at home. And so if you talk to me at a normal volume, I won't hear you. And two, if you talk loud enough to be heard over the movie the dude behind me might kick me in the head because he'd get real grumpy. Um, and I didn't say that specifically, but <laughs> teaching him to solve all of his problems with violence. 
And so I kind of told him this, and, and at one point in the movie, he gets up and he, he wanted to ask for some popcorn, and he goes like this, hey, Dad! And I don't know how kids do this, where they manage to like whisper at the same volume that they talk. We don't run my eardrum, and I'm sure I've, I've got some hearing loss from it. And then at a later point, he came and sat on my knee because he was feeling a bit scared because it was dark and it was cute. And, and so, so he, he kind of got the concept in the end. And just letting you know, he made it through the whole movie without needing to pee. So praise the Lord. Um, check this out in First uh, Kings chapter 19. It says this, uh, God speaking to Elijah. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. My second point today is we need to stay close because God is quiet. God is quiet because the world is noisy. There is a lot of distractions and God wants you to stay close to him to hear his voice. Just like Oakley with me in the movies, he had to put his ear, I had to put my ear right up to his, to his mouth to be able to hear him. And it created closeness. In the same way, God is, is quiet, so we have to come close. Because if God was really loud, then we'd all kind of just be like, I could just do all my things. I could do my life stuff. I could just, you know, focus on all the busyness. I could just do the Martha thing and I'll hear Jesus. You know, I can be out the back doing what I want to do and Jesus can just shout. And then after that, the kingdom of heaven is like, but Jesus is like, no, you've got you've to be close to me to hear my voice. You need to come close. And so the second, my second point is we need to stay close. Something I love about Jesus is he's our savior and our example. And so we see Jesus will do things that um, sometimes are both, but often he's either, be, he, in, in, in some occasions, he's being just our example or just our savior. And so like Jesus doesn't want us to follow his example of dying on a cross for our sin. You know, like you can't go and pay for your sin on a cross. Um, but there are many times like when Jesus is healing the sick that he's like, I want you to be, I want you to follow my example, I said. And so there's times when Jesus is acting solely as our savior, sometimes where he's acting solely, acting as our example of what um, a life surrendered to God looks like. Um, and sometimes he's doing both. Um, and, and one of the, uh, there's a verse in John 15, uh, John 5, 19, where Jesus says, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. There's re- this relationship between Jesus and the father where he's like, I, I don't want to do my own thing. Because like he can, he can brush his teeth and, you know, he can go to the toilet and, you know, like, let's not think about Jesus doing that. But he can do all of that. Like he, he could go and do whatever he wanted. But he's like, I only, like, I can't do anything apart from what I see God doing. He had heaven's perspective. Whatever situation he was walking into, he would, he would go and find what's heaven's perspective. I want to see what the Father is doing. And I think for us, that's, that's a, my third point today is we need heaven's perspective. We actually need to be checking in with heaven and seeing, well, actually, what is, like, not just what are we doing, but, like, what's the perspective I need to have 
in this season. Maybe you're facing a trial, and Jesus faced many. Um, don't feel like you're alone in that. You know, the Bible says that, that Jesus can actually sympathize with everything we go through. And so don't feel like you can't go to Jesus and say, hey, I'm actually finding this really hard. Jesus found things hard. Uh, he just did it without sinning. And so he's a great person to talk to because he did everything well. Um, but we need heaven's perspective. Just like, like if Jesus needed it, let, uh, let me tell you, you need it as well. Um, this is the better portion to be pursuing relationship with God. To have a a relationship where we're going back and going, God, what is the relevant word that you're speaking to me for me today? I'm staying close to you. I'm staying with heaven's perspective. Yeah, the team can come. Um, About six months ago, I took a class on Leviticus. Um, It was from Theos U. um, And I would encourage you, if you want to like just go deep in your relationship with God, cancel your Netflix subscription and uh, get Theos you instead. It's an incredible resource. Um, And I I did this class on Leviticus and it was literally just like someone sat there and taught through the entire book and taught some of the principles. And it changed the way I viewed not just that book, but the whole of the Old Testament. And, And it honestly, it brought it to life. It's one of my favorite books to read at the moment because I can see God moving in it in a way that I couldn't see before. Um, and so Leviticus is written to the Levites. Um, if you didn't know that, that might be the first mind-blown thing. And so it's written to the Levites. The Levites are the, the priests for Israel. So they're, they're the God's chosen clergy for, for Israel. And the book is written uh, as God giving Moses the instructions on what the Levites should do and how they should operate. And the book is written, and now we're going to go into a little bit of ancient literature uh, terminology here. It's written in a chiastic structure. Does anyone know? Is that relevant to anybody? No. Okay, that's fine. So we write literature like the story builds and builds and builds. And in the like last few, you know, in the last chapter, there's the climax of the story. And then it drops back down for a happy ending. Like pretty much everything we, we watch is like that. Maybe there'll be many climax moments throughout, but it kind of all climbs to this big, big moment. In ancient literature, they'd write stories and write books in a chiastic structure. So it would build, build, build. And the middle of the book would be the the climax, and then it would mirror on the descent the, the, uh, the, the way it ascended. So the topics that it covered as, as it went up to the climax will be mirrored on, uh, on the way back down. And so theologians have broken the book of Leviticus down like this. Ch- section one is called rhythmic obedience for closeness to God. Section two is the role of the priest. Section three is clean and unclean, clean versus unclean. Section four, which is the climax, is the Day of Atonement. Chapter 16, it's an incredible chapter. We read through it with our staff team a couple of weeks ago, and it's such a powerful chapter. And then, and so it hits the climax in the middle of the book, chapter 16, and then it goes back down, clean and unclean, the role of the priest, and rhythmic obedience for closeness to God. And so the opening and closing sections of the book of Leviticus, rhythmic obedience for closeness to God, 
is the area that talks about sacrifices, like the detail on how to sacrifice, how to do the, the peace offering, how to do the, 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 um, the sin offering, how to do the, you know, all of the different offerings, and then the feasts. And what these end up being is the weekly rhythms, because they would sacrifice weekly and, 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 and on different days. It's the weekly rhythms and the yearly calendared rhythms that would draw the people of Israel to God. It was the rhythmic obedience that would cause closeness. And I, as I was prepping this word, I felt like God saying to me that this is one of the keys to living a life from the better portion. See, God set up for Israel these rhythms that would draw them to Himself. You know, if, you're, if you've been married for a while, um, many people, when the spark dies, they create things like date night. People might have a Wednesday, Wednesday night date night. Or maybe you have something that you do together that regularly on a specific day um, that like, you know, is, is couple time. And it's this rhythm, maybe Wednesday date nights, this rhythm that brings closeness. With your kids, maybe you, you read stories before bed. It's this rhythm that creates closeness. The reason the church meets every week is it's a rhythm that brings the body of Christ to God's house on a rhythmic cycle. And I wonder if we cut your life open today, if we could tell that there is a rhythm that brings you close to God. And you might not like the word religion, but that's what, that's what the good side of religion is. The religious life is a life where there are rhythms that bring you close to God. And it's great to be spontaneous in your relationship. That's awesome. But what are the rhythms? What are the things? I want to tell you about two rhythms we've just put into our life. You know, trying to put this into practice. Uh, the first one that we do is, um, because Larissa and I both kind of have our own God time, but we're like, how can we make it so that there's a rhythm in our family that actually, um, you know, that, that's displaying this to our kids? Um, and so one thing that we've started doing is when we have breakfast, we used to like split breakfast up so that we could get as much done as possible. So I would do half breakfast time while Larissa did one job and then we'd swap over. She'd come and sit down. I'd go do a different job so that we could, you know, get out and faster. But we've, we've started having breakfast all together and we just read a portion of a chapter of, of the Bible. This, mor- this morning we read the story of Mary and Martha and talked about what I was going to preach on today. Um, and we've just been reading a portion, a, cha- a chapter, not from a kid's Bible. Um, we've just been reading it together. Um, another thing that we started doing is before, uh, after we put the kids to bed, before we, we, we do kind of the jobs around the house, we do the Martha thing and you know tidy the house up and then before we do anything else we watch any tv anything like that we we sit down we make a cup of tea um because you know god is in that he's in the cup um it's like you know we're taking communion because we have berry tea and it was a joke um and we just take 10 or 15 minutes and read scripture journal pray just do something to just create a rhythm that draws us close to god 
I don't know about you, but I want to live a life that if Jesus looked at it, if Jesus looked at what I'm doing and he, he would say, Mitch has chosen the better portion. And my prayer is that we would take this and go, God, what are the rhythms that could lead me to you? Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.